Kaylee, what would be your um, superhero soundtrack in your superhero movie? So um, I think I'd go 80s. Mm, obviously. I, I really, my favourite song ever, <laughs> ever, for when I need to pump myself up, is actually used in a later Marvel film. So I don't know if I'm allowed it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mm. Um, it's Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty, like, hit me with, I think that would be a cool one. But if I'm not allowed it, then I have backup options of like the power of love because I said that thing about how love was my weakness and greatest power. So you're you're um, being brought down by the villain to the tune of the power of love. Yeah, the power of love. Used in such a miserable way. And it's the moment when you think that the good guy's been defeated and the villain has won. Oh no, and it's the power of love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then my other backup option was, you're a Eurovision fan. Do you remember um, me? You me? What makes you think I'm a Eurovision fan? Because <laughs> I know you, and also I just I would know that. <laughs> um, do you remember Kino? They did the Spirit in the Sky song. Nice. Yes, they were like last year, weren't they? Norway. Yeah, it was. They were epic, and I love that song so much. So I think that would also be a good choice. That is a very good choice. It's quite heroic. And it's got that Nordic feel if you were going for a Thor kind of could be. I've vibe. got this fake blonde hair. I could definitely pretend I'm some sort of Scandi goddess with this. And it's also got like a hint of tragedy underneath it because they're like, I'm trapped here. Call my name and all that malarkey. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I was going to vote. I would have voted for them to win. I think I did vote for them to win. I voted for them to win. Mm. And then they didn't. But I still think in my heart they won. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are my choices. What would your choices be? So I've got two possibilities and they're both utterly ridiculous. Mm. Because I may have spent about five minutes thinking about this on the loo earlier. Um, So I was thinking if I was a superhero who like by day they're a superhero, but by night they're an absolute whore, they could have WAP like on repeat. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd just be like, there's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. Your superpower is super whoring. No, because I'm not a superhero when I'm a whore. Oh, I see. The two separate things. I'm just living a life of total, like, sexual freedom. Yeah. And not being judged by the patriarchy. Mm-mm. I wouldn't let him. <laughs> he says, as a white cisgendered man. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking as one of the women, I'll let you have it. We like the dressing <laughs> of the patriarchy. The other thing I was thinking of is, what if like Les Mis got reinterpreted as a superhero film because like Hugh Jackman the Hugh Jackman character he's um Jean Valjean that's it he has a super villain in the form of Russell Crowe he does he kind of has a love interest in the form of Anne Hathaway although she dies but you can redo it you could redo it a little bit we keep her alive longer because superheroes die and come back to life like Jean Grey she could be a Jean Grey kind of thing Mm, nice and then you've got like um Marius and uh thingy Amanda Seafried and they're like the sort of comical love interest and you've got <laughs> other comical characters in the form of the brothel owners the comical love interest <laughs> they have comical people in these films I laugh during these films I don't think Marius and Amanda Seafried because apparently what's her name Cassette Lynette Cassette Lynette, Lynette. Courgette they're not meant to be funny are they <laughs> no but you can make them funny it's a reinterpretation it's not literal Okay, so they're like your Fitz and... Um, Fitz and Simmons, yes, that's exactly who they are. Um, and then the, the brothel owners are like, I don't know, who would they be? They'd be like um, the kind of kooky sidekicks. Yeah. You, don't kind of, you kind of don't trust, but they're actually quite noble by the end. Nice. One of them could be an animal who talks. Maybe a raccoon. Yeah, or one of them is a computer who says like, um, you know, sassy things. So like that car. Iron Man's computer. Oh yeah, Iron Man's computer. Oh, I, I was thinking of the car that um, Thingy drives from Baywatch. What's that? Knight oh, Rider. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you don't need to shout, Michael. I'm all around you. <laughs> <laughs> your superhero movie. So what would your song be? Would it be the whole of Les Mis or just his Yeah, song? why not? Why not? Like, I'll take the whole of Les Mis. I'm t- you, you took a whole era with the 80s. I'm just going to take a musical. I said I was looking into the 80s. <laughs> And then I surprised you with two eighty songs and a Eurovision number, which I feel mm-hmm. was good. But yeah, no, musicals, that's a great idea. They kind of are all like superhero films. 
Yeah, there they are. I mean, there's heroes, there's villains. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, all that jazz. All really, which is also a musical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is where the... Um, the music comes starts fading in. I always like it because sometimes I'll sound like I'm saying something really profound, but then it's like bah, 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 and no more <laughs> I'm saying. And I'm like, it was good, guys. Actually, it's just because we run on a little bit too long. So I'm like, right, I'm just gonna cut it there and it can fade in over that. Why not? <laughs> it suggests that we're like carrying on talking. It's like a snippet of conversation. It's very nice. Nicely done. And then what actually happens is we just sit there going, or we just sit we go, so shall we move on now? <laughs> I'm bored of this. Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time. And with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not so good aspects of the MCU and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Uh, for the first time ever, I have watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, which you declared as your favourite ever. In fact, number one of your top three Marvel movies. And it still is. <laughs> it still is. Did you rewatch it before this? Yeah, man. I rewatched them all. <laughs> you're very dedicated. I am. I rewatched them all. The only one I was like, where I was like, you're killing me here is, is the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's so many episodes. But yeah, mm. I'm here watching them all. Watch this fair one. Play, fair play. So full disclosure, um, I didn't dislike it at all. It was fun and, it, and I enjoyed it. You're chewing your hair very nervously here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't ruin it, Paul. <laughs> I wouldn't personally put it in my top three. That's well, all. Because you like more traditional. I guess so. I maybe I would you you know what? I would usually like this a lot because it's very Star Warsy and I like crazy characters. I like a bit of crazy sci-fi and Flash Gordon-y kind of stuff. But very controversially, I would probably put Thor the Dark World slightly higher than this. No. <laughs> No, no, this is unacceptable. You dr- you watch that drunk. You need to watch it again properly and then watch this one again. I do. Maybe I need to watch all of them drunk and I'll be like, I love it. I love all of it. That's fair. It's unfair. Prosecco for all. Rewatch Guardians of a Prosecco and then rewatch Dark World without the Prosecco and see <laughs> how you feel. It's just fair. as an experiment. Totally sober Marvel version. <laughs> yeah. Total Marvel version. Yeah, or just wasted Marvel version. <laughs> yeah, wasted, completely trolleyed Marvel version. Yeah, you could have a little drink while we're talking. I could be your sober friend talking you down. Well, I, I, as I said, it's very Star Warsy, and I like that. I like the creativity. I like, I like the characters that didn't look like human beings. Like mm. I like, I liked Groot. I thought he was really fun, and I liked Drax. Is that Drax, who's Vin Diesel. Um, the raccoon was all right. He wasn't as funny as I think he thought he was, but you're like, Jackson. he's kind of fun. Groot is Vin Diesel. Oh, Vin Diesel's Groot. Who's Drax? Drax is Dave Bautista. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> two big tough guys. Like, okay, I'm going to get them mixed up. I enjoy him a lot because I love how he can't handle non-literal things. And I like his sort of character arc, how he starts off all sort of vengeful and stuff. And then as he goes on, he starts to soften up and becomes quite noble. And I thought that was enjoyable. And I like the way Groot communicates and how he says, I am Groot in different ways, but everyone understands what exactly he's saying. Because I started understanding what he was saying after a while. It's weird, isn't it? Excellent point made. (laughs) It's like the magic carpet, I guess, because it adds, you just interpret. Or like um, Chewie. Yeah, Chewbacca, exactly. Well, R2-D2, yeah, yeah, totally that. And it had a sort of Guillermo del Toro style to it with the different aliens, and I'm always a sucker for that. I love I love that kind of stuff. Like Hellboy, I like the Hellboy films. Here's, contro- again, controversially, <laughs> what I feel lets it down, and I think it's Chris Pratt's character. Really? You don't like Chris Pratt's character? I don't. Chris Pratt's fine, but... I don't feel like the character, the character was just like another big, strong guy. Am I wrong? 
in my thoughts. Well, you know, no one's wrong. You're allowed to repeat, unless you stated like he was played by Robert Downey Jr. or something, then I'd be like, you're wrong. But this yeah. is an opinion, so you can't be wrong. But I can offer my own opinion in that. Please I don't do. Agree with you. Um, <laughs> Please I, do. I don't, I don't think he is because he's a lot. He's someone who's playing at being a superhero. Right. Okay. So he's a lot more. He's not noble at all in the beginning, and he's very selfish. And he is strong. I mean, they definitely made him bulk up, but they mm. offered him that role when he wasn't bulky. They offered him yeah. that role when he was bulky in a different way, mm. and it was because of his personality. And I feel like it's he's meant to be like a sort of silly everyman. Like if one of us got transplanted from Earth and then grew up somewhere else, we'd still mm. maintain that weird humanity, but not. Mm, okay that's that's fair enough I felt I for me personally I felt like it the character didn't they didn't take the character far enough mm. with that there was I got that they were going for a slightly zanier um more anarchic kind of vibe with him but they kept going into the cliches of sort of him standing and being strong and looking sincere and 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 being like the good guy at all times and that and I think it almost would have been more interesting if he was actually even worse, like on the verge of like anti-hero. But that's just that's just me thinking, well, you're doing all the kind of the, the you're standing very well and you're very muscular and you're very attractive. But like the other two Chris's have that covered in the MCU. And yeah. I, I suppose I was looking for something different because like Mark Ruffalo brings something different. Robert Downey Jr. brings something very different. And then whereas like with Peter Quill I felt like they could have taken it further I could I just I felt more attachment to the side characters for sure. Zoe Saldana is my favourite in mm. the women we've seen so far. Mm -hmm. I love her. She was great really really great and I liked Karen Gillan as her sister Nebula. Oh, I was gonna ask you if you knew who played her yeah I mean obviously you would have but yeah she's very good too. I love the sister mm. versus sister because we just had Loki versus um for so it was nice to have brother versus brother to sister versus sister and how like different vibe and they and yeah i did yeah zoe zildana i really enjoyed as well i liked i i was really taken in by her being a villain at first mm. and then when she reveals she's actually trying to betray the bad guy i was like oh i, I was genuine that was like the only this was another thing there weren't that many like big twists in it in the plot the plot is it's, it's very much about the look rather than the plot. The plot's really simple. There's like an orb and lots of people want it because it's got an infinity stone in it and that's about it. But the one kind of little twist was Zoe Saldana revealing that actually she's good, but a bit heartless at the same time. <laughs> yeah, she's a bit well, cold. Ruthless, ruthless. Heartless is the wrong word. Ruthless. Yeah, I was like, she has a heart. She's just, yeah, cold maybe. Mm. The way she's phrased. I wouldn't say there's twists, but there are surprises in that it doesn't necessarily play out the way you think. Like with the big chase mm. scene when she's chasing him and then he gets kidnapped and then they all keep chasing each other and I found that quite fun. The one thing I found mm. really, I mean, we're going into plot now, watching it again was like the Nova Course is really like noble, like high space society run by Glenn Close, who we all know would be a great... That was, that was one big twist for me. I was like, Glenn Close is in this. <laughs> I can't believe it, Glenn. But they're like a really noble society, but their prison system is not good. I was going to say this, is this a trope of Marvel films that the prisons are really badly guarded? Because we had this in Dark World. Yeah, but it's not even just that they're badly guarded, they're just very corrupt inside. I was like, you're not setting these villains a good example. How can they be re... what's the word? Re, re, re... Rehabilitated. Rehabilitated, yes, thank mm. you. How can they be rehabilitated if people were letting them murder people in the bathrooms? I think they're basically, they're based more on American prisons. Yeah, not that our prisons are exactly the loveliest places on earth, but thinning ones, I wouldn't know, but I assume slightly better than that. My boyfriend Doug has been inside one, not as a criminal, I should point out, but as part of his work. <laughs> but he has, and they are very depressing and horrible places. So, um, but I feel like the American prison system, judging from what I've read in papers and books and stuff, is uh, a lot more ruthless and not a lot more like, I'll oh, just throw them in and if they kill each other, they kill each other. We're like, what the hell? Chris was watching with me and he was like, a unisex prison. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, I suppose it is. I hadn't really thought about it before, but he found out. modern? <laughs> and you all go together. <laughs>
so, let's go through some plot. Should we go through some plot? Yes. Um, so it starts off, we're introduced to Peter Quill as a boy in 1988. His mother is dying in hospital um, and then she does die. And she says, oh, I love the accents in this when she's been, she's like, you've been done fine with those bars again, baby. And he's like, I don't And I'm really sad that they, that Chris Pratt didn't keep that accent later on. He adopted that alien neutral accent that they all have. I know, just, you know, Northeastern American. That's it. Um, so when she dies, obviously he's absolutely heartbroken. So he runs outside of the hospital and then as happens in the opening scene of a film, an alien spaceship comes down and abducts him. Can you imagine being part of that family? You just lose like your daughter and then your grandson gets abducted by aliens. That would suck. I know. Crazy, eh? Crazy. So he doesn't, he, he doesn't know his father. He just knows his mother. Yeah. Um, we flash forward 26 years and Peter is all grown up into Chris Pratt. So he glowed up. And he's on this rocky, rainy planet. Um, he still has his Walkman from childhood, which is a recurring image throughout, which is kind of sweet. And he's Indiana Jonesing a small, like, uh, orb. In fact, he has a proper Indiana Jones moment of, like, getting the orb from the pedestal. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a tribute or something or if it's just coincidence. I think it was meant to be a little, little nod. But I also like that he comes in very dramatically and then he just ad-libs. And he dances around, throws the aliens around and stuff. Yeah. Like he's just not bothered by this. He was introduced really well. And I didn't, I just felt like they didn't keep up with that anarchism to, to personally. They would, maybe I'm being fussy. Maybe I'm being fussy. I think your expectations are just too high. I should have said I hated it. And then you'd have been like dark world. Like it was so good, Kaylee. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if you said you hated Guardians of the Galaxy, I would have come in and been like, it's much better than you said it was. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I love the anarchic. They- <laughs> I can't believe you don't like this. <laughs> um, but then groups of guards enter and they want the 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 ball, the blue, the, the orb. Sorry, it's an orb. Um, but he manages to knock the guards out and runs away. And he has like this magic mask. And when he puts the mask on, he's it's like suddenly his whole body's like a weapon or something, and he can fly through space and breathe and that sort of thing. Yes, magic mask, that's what we'll call it. And he has a lady in his ship. He does have a lady in his ship who he forgot about. That was fun. <laughs> He's wearing the same T-shirt he was wearing when he was abducted. Oh, is he? How does he fit in it? She. She's wearing it. Oh, she is. Oh. a tiny lady, so she can fit in it. And she can wear his old T-shirt. Oh, I didn't notice that. But he was meant to get the orb for this um, this blue guy who's a kind of scavenger bounty hunter. So he also wants the orb. And the blue guy is obviously angry because Peter's not going to bring him the orb. He's going to take it to the broker who's an alien guy, who also wants the orb. So lots of people want the orb. Yeah, the orb is a big deal for everyone. And we meet another blue dude called Ronan, who's the main sort of, the main baddie of this film, I guess. And he also wants the orb. (laughs) He wants that, but he's literally sleeping in the blood of his enemies. Is he? Yeah. Ugh. I know, it's crazy. That's unhygienic. You know when he like hammers that other guy to death, his blood pours into the little pool where he woke up, so... Oh, um. oh yeah, that's the thing. So he, Ronan is an alien called a Cree, and he's like a Cree fanatic, um, like, and he hate, and there's this peace treaty being brokered between the Cree and Xandar, and Xandar's very sort of humans, but in space. Yeah. And, but he doesn't like this peace treaty. He's like, no, hard Brexit. That's what he is. Yes, he's UKIP. <laughs> he is very UKIP, but he's going to use terrorist um, uh, uh, tactics in order to um, make make what he wants happen. Hmm. So then Peter brings this orb to the broker and the broker suddenly finds out that Ronan wants it. And the broker's like, get that shit out of my shop. I do not want it. He does too not want hot. this orb. Too hot. Get out. <laughs> too hot. Too hot. Exactly. Um, which is, suggests that Ronan is very much feared across the multiverse. And Ronan has sent uh, Gamora, played by Zoe Saldana, who is green. And that's how you distinguish her from the blue. Mm-hmm. And she is trying, she's now trying to get it from Peter. And then uh, the raccoon, who's called Rocky, I believe. Rocket. 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 And uh, Groot, who's a giant tree, who says, I am Groot. They also want to nick it. So they end up with this sort of four-way fight. Yeah, between which is each a lot other. of fun, I always think. I think it's a good fun. Yeah, it is, it's it's an unexpected way of introducing all these characters together and throwing them together to form a motley crew. 
you love a motley crew i do love a motley crew it was a motley if there's a motley crew i'm down for it yeah i've just realized rocky raccoon is a beatles song so maybe that's what you're thinking of there uh maybe maybe Maybe. i'm pretty certain they call him rocky at other points in the film like they flip between i'm not sure you know tell me off if i'm mansplaining to you because you're the expert on this film go ahead (laughs) make their own minds up about what you're doing Um, as a result of all this fighting, the four of them end up arrested. Um, and that's when Gamora reveals that she was actually trying to get the orb so that Ronan could not have it. So she's betraying him. Yes. But her sister Nebula, who works for Ronan and is in league with Ronan, she's going to be a bit pissed off about this, as yeah. sisters are sometimes. Well, they're both competing for their dad's affection, so. They are, yeah. And their father is Thanos. Yeah, do you remember him? The big purple guy. So th- that's the big purple guy. Yeah. Um, and he's now got a name. He's Thanos. Yes. And we'll, we'll talk more about him as he comes into the plot because he was very, he was very interesting. Mm. Definitely. Gamora, Peter, uh, Rocket and Groot all get sent to prison. The, the, tri- the ship prison that we talked about. <laughs> the little pit prison in space. Um, the various prisoners, particularly Drax, um, they want to hurt Gamora because they know who she is. They know she's associated with Ronan and that Ronan has hurt, killed many people of their kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's not in a good position right now. So then Ronan is revealed to be working with Thanos, who's Gamora and Nebula's father. Although it's later turned out, it turns out it's she, he's their adoptive father or like he killed their family and became their father and turned them into kind of weapons. Yeah. And he also wants the orb. <laughs> everyone wants the orb, but everyone wants it for different reasons. Yeah, I, I, you know what? If if we saw it, we probably want it. It's um, it's a bit like the ring, the one ring, isn't it? It's just... Or is it more like the uh, the PlayStation Five? Because yeah, like everyone else wants it. I uh, want it. Too. Everyone wants the PlayStation Five because no one can go out. That's true, but I'd probably want that little blue. It's nice to look at. That would be a fun one to have. It's like when there's when you touch it and the light comes to your finger. What's that called? Oh, I don't know what they're called, but I know they're always in a gadget shop. Like, yeah, like, like the science museum. You're like, oh, I'm learning. Yes. <laughs> <That was> <laughs> the weird lightning touches my finger. More science. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, Thanos is basically getting Ronan to get the orb for him. So Ronan and Nebula head off in pursuit of Peter. Uh, meanwhile, our our crew, our our gang, our Scooby Doo gang, they are. Um, they plot to escape the prison. And this was actually quite fun when they're plotting to escape and Groot's just doing all of it behind them. He's like setting the alarm off and stuff. And so they all have to improvise, which was fun. And they managed to get out because the guards in this place are shoddy. Like they don't have uniforms. They can bet they don't have any combat training. They don't have any organization. They just kind of run in all terrified and then get beaten up by the prisoners. Well, I imagine they probably thought that the uh, the gravity system and the pit style, they probably didn't think anyone would figure that out. So, and I imagine these jobs aren't well paid. No, maybe. It's not a very nice place to be. So maybe it's like the worst, like, like low paid menial labor job kind of vibe. It might be. It might be that the assumption is that, um, you know, they the, they just throw the prisoners in there, they're left to rot, and they then the governments don't have to think about them ever again or something. Yeah. And then the people are happy because... They feel safer, maybe. Maybe it's a commentary on that. I think so. And did you like the leg bit? What was the leg bit? Where Rocket was like, I need a, that guy's fake leg. And then he goes and gets it. And then he's like, God, I didn't need it really. I just thought it'd be funny. Oh, I missed that but completely. Maybe I was oh. typing notes. <laughs> this is why you've missed all the anarchic fun. They send Peter Quill off to go get this fake leg for part of the escape mm. he's like i need it for the escape plan and then he's like was it really funny seeing him hop around on one leg ah well that that's amusing now you've explained it to me <laughs> yes you probably yes it's a big bit i don't know how you missed it um they managed to get away in uh, uh a ship oh his own ship in fact he managed to get his own ship back um the crew traveled to a place called nowhere no as in i know where it is <laughs> Canoe. Um, Oh, I love the bit where Groot gives a flower to the little beggar girl. There was like yeah. all these little begging kids and he gives a flower to her and it's meant to be a sweet moment. But I was expecting her to like be like, fuck this, I want a couple of quids. <laughs> but it's Groot. He's just a special tree. And then they go meet the collector who we've met before. Yeah. In a mid credit scene. He explains that in the collector explains that inside the orb, 
are is an infinity stone and these are very very powerful things wielded by very very powerful people and we get a demonstration of their power when his little slave girl tries to get it because she hates him and then there's just this huge explosion where everything's blown back and it really shows just how powerful it is. so it's basically a wmd essentially yes in my head i replace it with wkd for a second i was like yes wkd is an alcoholic drink yeah i was like i don't know why that's powerful but sure <laughs> i guess sure in powerful. in the wrong hands a wkd could be a wmd yeah it could be i don't know why my brain went there clearly i'm a more innocent sheltered life than those who fear weapons of mass destruction yeah <laughs> so because uh, they realize just how powerful it is they're all like we cannot handle this. We should not have this. So Gamora very sensibly says we should give it back to the Xandar government led by Glenn Close. And I trust it with Glenn Close. Yeah, I trust any of it with Glenn Close. Absolutely. Unless she's in Fatal Attraction, then I wouldn't. But I trust her in this. Yes. She seems like a sensible lady in this. She's got nice hair stuff. Just don't trust her with Dalmatians and rabbits. That's all. Dalmatians, rabbits. Oh, have you ever seen her in Damages? Wouldn't trust her more. Actually, she does play some very untrustworthy characters. Now it comes to think of it. I felt she was trustworthy. Mm, she was they're definitely trustworthy. She's like the noble leader in this one, isn't she? But Peter's worried they'll get arrested, so he doesn't really want to do that. Um, Wait, Peter wants to sell it for money. For money, yes. Or, well, I didn't get that. I got that he was just like, I don't want to get arrested. And I was like, I get that. Anyway, Ronan and Nebula turn up because they've been secretly summoned by Drax because Drax wants vengeance on Ronan, which I thought was a good little like twist in the tail there. That was quite good. Mini twist. Yeah. Um, Because Ronan killed his family. He doesn't manage to kill Ronan, but they do have a fight. And at this point, I'd be like, are we sure we want Drax on our team? He's slightly a bit of a liability, really, isn't he? But they keep him on the team because he's a nice guy. And Nebula goes up. So Gamora has the orb in her pod. They're in these like little pods flying away. And there's a big chase scene when Nebula, and Nebula goes after Gamora's pod. And Nebula destroys Gamora's pod and manages to get the orb. And Gamora nearly dies. But Peter saves her with his magic mask. Yay. Yay. <laughs> he almost dies. And I, I did enjoy the bit where he's giving like a long speech about heroism. And she interrupts it. She just rolls her eyes and is like, oh, I'll say, let's get on with this. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I was like, Zoe Saldana eclipsing Chris Pratt right now. I love Zoe. She's very good. You met her, didn't you? You interviewed her. I did, and she's such a nice, such a nice woman. Very interesting to talk to. Oh, Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Ronan brings the ore back to Thanos, but he double crosses Thanos. And he's like, well, I've got the orb now, so I can be the Infinity Stone. And then he then uh, in, absorbs the orb's power and he becomes very, very powerful. And he basically, it means that he can go to a planet, basically like thump his thing on the ground. And then the whole, all life on that planet is just wiped out. So it's kind of a big deal, this Infinity yeah. Stone. But I do think phrasing is important because thump his thing on the ground doesn't sound great. That could cause mass destruction. It could do. Peter then summons the first blue dude who was angry at him. He's called Yondu. And they band together to forge an assault on Ronan. Because everyone's like, shit, Ronan needs to go down now. Because we're all in trouble. Yeah, he wants to he's, he's like a Death Star. He is a Death Star, yeah. Well, he's the, he's the one in the newer trilogy. What's that one? Oh, God, what's it called? It's got a really lame name, like Planet Killer or something. Really. Yeah, it was. It was like, was it Star Killer or something like that? I think it might have been. It was saying really like, and you were like, oh, you've got worse at naming naming things over the years. Like, how is that? <laughs> like, how was that brainstorm session, JJ Abrams? <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're banding together to destroy Ronan. Ronan is headed to Xandar, of course, because he doesn't like he doesn't like Xandar, and he wants to destroy it all. And uh, Glenn Close, who I always just refer to as Glenn Close, she just turns up and is like, "I'm Glenn Close." Um, yeah. She finds out about Peter and Yondu's plan and she's like, Peter is a good guy. We got to work with him. So he sends out Peter Serafinowitz to um, help out as well. Um, there's a big fight in the sky and uh, the, the Zan, are they Zandarians? Zandanese? Yeah, I like both of those. Zandanese Zand is like a cuisine. The Zandanese. 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 Z
The Zandarians, um, they link all their ships together to form a sort of barrier so that Ronan's ship can't come down. So they basically say Ronan's ship cannot reach the surface. He cannot touch the surface of this planet. Otherwise, we all die. Unfortunately, it doesn't last long. Um, and he does break through. Oh, and this was this was key quote when um, he's uh, Peter Quill sends through a message to let them know it's him. And he says something like, was he say I may be an asshole, but I'm not a dick. And he's like, they got my dick message. Yeah, <laughs> this, that's what I wanted more of stuff like that, like a but little bit more crude. It's Disney, though, so they can only have so many words. I think they had to get rid of a few for the Jackson Pollock joke. Oh, really? Um... Yeah. They like that. That was, I think, that was, and they liked it. So, like, quick, lose some of the assholes and dick jokes because we like the sperm UV light joke. That was that was a pretty dirty joke. I must. That did take me by surprise. That one. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gamora and Nebula fight. I like the way Nebula repairs herself when she yeah. gets beaten up and she kind of crumples, but then goes and she sort of pops back into um, position. It was she was very menacing. I thought mm. Nebula. I liked her a lot. It's a good um, role for Karen Gillan. Very good role for Karen Gillan. She turns up in all sorts of things these days. She's in Jumanji. Yeah, I, I think it's because she's like quite um, meant to be quite like into geeky stuff herself. Mm. A bit more like she's she likes having fun with her roles. I guess it seems to be anyway. She's quite character as well. Like she'll play very different people, and she's quite good at that, isn't she? I do. I really like her. Um, but yeah, the way Nebula. It made me think of. When Nebula repairs herself, it made me think of when you've got a crumpled plastic bottle and you blow into it and the whole thing goes Poof, like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that cool. was the image I had in my head when I watched that bit. Groot also gets a really good fight scene where he stretches out his arm and just whacks loads of guards down. And he's like, yeah. I am Groot. That was it's great. Like, like a whack-a-mole. <laughs> oh, and then he kill he sacrifices himself because the ship's going down. So he grows himself because he's a tree all around all the characters and they can survive because he's very strong but he will burn and that was kind of sad and he goes um we are Groot and I was like Groot's a communist yeah he loves it and well it is sad when he does that and the little fireflies to just make them all feel reassured I assume it was very sweet I know it was he was he, for me, was star character. I was a big fan of Groot. I never, the whole I am Groot thing, I used to see that on social media, and now I finally understand it. <laughs> you were like, what are people saying this for? Yeah, I'm like, what the, who's a Groot? Apparently Groot in, like, Dutch and a few other languages, maybe I made up the Dutch bit, I'm sure it was Dutch, uh, means large or big. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. he was very large. Yeah, because I always thought it would be like, I am tree. Maybe the word in tree in Dutch is like blah, blah 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 and it's just not that catchy yeah i like that he's dutch too why not <laughs> yeah. they don't have any other dutch characters so they're representing yeah ronan is so the ship crashes but ronan is alive um and peter distracts him with the power of dance pelvic sorcery i think they refer to it as pelvic sorcery some michael jackson moves um, and Rocket shoots Ronan's mallet, which kind of which opens up to let out the Infinity Stone. Peter grabs it, and the ensuing power nearly destroys Peter. But when Gamora, Drax, and Rocket all link hands with him, they they are strong enough together to control it. So we're all strong together. Yeah, we are Groot. We are Groot, or we are <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. less catchy. They destroy Ronan and enclose the stone within the orb. Yondu takes what he thinks is the orb, but Peter has switched it. So Peter has the orb and Yondu's not that angry about not getting the orb. I feel like he knew it wasn't the stone and he was sort of like, I'm going to pretend I don't know that because I don't want to look silly in front of the rest of the crew. Kind of like Robert De Niro's character in Stardust. Yeah, I got that. Or maybe he just really enjoyed the fact that someone had switched it on him and had the, the ghoul to do that. Well, yeah, and, and also he sort of sees Peter, he's like a, a father figure to Peter, so I think he just sort of sees him as like an annoying son who's going to just keep messing with him. They take the wise decision of locking it away. They put it into Glenn Close's hands, and Glenn Close locks it away. She's sensible. She's the, she's the Jacinda Arden that we need in this film. Exactly. And if she, if it, she can't lose it, could she? She'd never let anyone else get it. Absolutely not, no. <laughs> never never <laughs> i'm sure that won't happen in a sequel 
No. Meanwhile, Glenn Close has discovered that Peter is of half Earth through his mother, but his father is something ancient that they do not know of. Mm. They didn't make much of this in this film. I felt like Peter would have had a bigger reaction. He's a bit like, oh my God. Okay, time to go. Well, I don't know. He's Maybe he's a bit like, he's of the opinion that you're not a parent unless you're there to parent me. And it would be weird thinking your mum having sex with something ancient and old, so maybe he just went to push that away. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank yeah. you. <laughs> he doesn't want to know what his parents got up to in those Zandarian rooms. So is that, I mean, this was a, something, a minor issue I had was that I felt like they needed to drop more clues about Peter's past into it because, or at least reveal a few more bits to entice me. I didn't feel very enticed by it. I was like, so he's half earth, but that was kind of like, there wasn't, a, that wasn't really made a big deal. And he got abducted, but I assume he got abducted by the ship because his mother died. So his father came for him. Well, something. yeah, they even say that. Yondu oh, really? says, Yondu says, well, his, uh, I can't remember who it is. One of his crew members is like, oh, we should have just given him to his dad. Like we were paid to do. And he's like, his dad was a prick or whatever it is he says. So they were hired to do that. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I missed that, so that you missed a few points here, Paul. I'm worried Rebecca was there. (laughs) This is why you're here. This is why you're here to guide me through this. Um, Peter is now a hero, and his criminal records have been expunged, and they fly off as a team, and it's a happy ending. I liked the bit with John C. Riley's family, where you randomly see them, because that I felt um gave you a sort of i sort of thought oh gosh if if ronan had won they would have just been wiped out like all these these people and all these guards that we have it's like in austin powers when they're like what about the security guard you just killed what about his family and you see his family all crying because they like they their dads just died it's like that in these films all these security guards are around but then they all you're reminded that they all have families who yeah and they have a stake in this and it had that kind of vibe to it, which I thought was quite nice. I think it, it really explained why all the Zandarians then help out Peter and all band together in quite a good way, I thought. Yeah, and I think John C. Rowe is the one who's the most humanised, I guess, of the guards. Like he, mm. he's very, he remembers Peter when he first arrested him. He's like, oh, this guy, he's got a code name and everything. So he's quite fun. And you see his wife and daughter during the battle, don't you? It zooms in on them when loads of... Oh, are leave. they the ones who nearly get killed? Yeah. Is those, ah. so you're sort of like oh the, the the heat of the battle and then you see it all like the human aspect of it at the end it's quite cute yeah we have probably the cutest mid-credit scene i've ever seen in my life where a <laughs> new baby Groot is dancing in his little pot <laughs> he loves to dance but he can't dance in front of drugs no not yet he's freezing but i feel like he's having a joke with him i do he's having a childish prank he's such a sweetie i love that apparently it's um the director was the dancer who gave them the moves for that. Oh, really? Yeah, they let him dance on his own and then they... they it's just it. all his little branches are flailing around like little bits of thread. It was adorable. I really like that. Such a cutie. He's like Very the baby Yoda of his time. He is the baby Yoda of his time. This, I think that's what um, sometimes is occasionally missing is cuteness from mm. it and this was this was a big strength in this film was it had that it had that star warsy cuteness like it had i mean yoda himself is cute in those original films with his little ears like flapping about and the way he's like, like it's it's adorable and i think guardians of the galaxy injected a bit of that into it which i think was i really liked that star it was that star wars ever. i just wanted to watch star wars again i guess and there's a post credits moment where we see the collector and the dog and some alien who kind of taunts him because his his whole home has just been wrecked by the Infinity Stone. And that is yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, apparently Robert Downey Jr. was going to be in a post credit scene, but he couldn't make it work, so. Oh, real. well, he's a busy man. Yeah, he's got iron to be manning, I suppose. And he's got, he's got llamas, Robert Downey Jr. Has he? He has like a farm. I saw him, he was on Graham Norton and he has, ver- he has various like farm animals and he has llamas or alpaca- well, alpacas actually, sorry. Um, yeah, and he talks about his alpacas. It's really yeah. funny. They're all like rescue animals. He's quite passionate about res- rescue animals. Oh, he is Doctor Doolittle then. I know, right? Although that film got bad reviews. Yeah, it did not look good. I haven't seen it, so I can't say for sure. No. But I do not think it looks good. I quite like that. Um, the beginning of this film, 
doesn't make it clear who the villain's going to be. Like you kind of assume it might be Yondu. Mm. It might be those guards who are in the first scene. Then you kind of assume, is it going to be Drax or like the people of the Novakor, um, like Colin Close and so on? So you, you're kind of wrong-footed a fair bit. And then obviously it's Ronan because he's the, the one who's literally bathing in his enemy's blood. Plus Thanos in the background. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's, um yeah, no, you're absolutely right, actually. I, I must, the first half hour of the film, a lot of characters and ideas are thrown at you quite quickly mm. it took me a little while to fully get to grips my notes at the start of the film are very haphazard i'm like green lady says to blue lady this 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 and this and <laughs> with the white ice thing on his head does this and la 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 and then as it goes on the names of the characters actually start to feed them I'm like right got this got this zant this is that zandar and that's created which when they were like talking about the peace treaty and i was like wait what's a cree is that a cree <laughs> are we in cree am i cree <laughs> who is cree what is Cree? What did you think of Yondu's little arrow that he whistles and, and it goes flying off? It was cool. I was, I did feel like he was just as lethal as an infinity stone with it. So he, so. in the comics, he is an archer, but I assume they changed it because of Jeremy Renner being Hawkeye. We've got an archer. They've ticked that box yeah. already. Yeah, that's kind of what I assumed, but I kind of like it. It's mm. it's weird and creepy. So speaking of the comics, so. I've I've heard of because of the comic books. I'd heard of Captain America and seen his image. I've heard of Thor and seen his image. La la la. Guardians of the Galaxy. I'd never heard of until they made this movie. Is it like a lesser known comic, or am I just ignorant? Or no, it, it is a bit. Yeah, I'd say it's lesser known. Right. It's one of the, the there's lots of odd ones in the mix, and it's one of the odder ones, and it's one that's not been like. I feel like Captain America and lots of other ones probably have been animated and stuff before and they've been brought to TV before and Hulk obviously has happened lots of times. I think it was assumed that this, the space element makes it difficult for people to relate to. I told you Dark World was easing you into a new, <laughs> a new <laughs> phase. But they're like, you can handle weird now. It's not for everyone, that sort of stuff, is it? Because I guess Captain America is the more relatable films because they're always that both of them so far have been very much set on earth there's a bit of time yeah. travel but like they're set in earth's history very much whereas yeah thor and guardians of the galaxy are like out there they're like virtually verging on 70s sci-fi like logan's run flash gordon kind of stuff yeah and like guardians of the galaxy is lots of lots of nods to people who love not just even the comic books but like just love sci-fi in general really mm. like um that big guard that they like that comes up to try and get Chris Pratt in the prison mm. um, and they stick branches up his nose is Nathan Fillion. So he was the is star. It? Yeah, you know him. He's the star of Firefly. So that was like a little yeah. kind of people were like, and like lots of stuff like that, little nod. And um, so Thanos has, he's been set up very well. I think they made it very clear that he's minor in this, but he's, significant much later on he's major for, later. <laughs> major yeah major major and they i think they set that up quite well because they didn't really show his reaction to ronan taking all the power he just kind of disappeared and it was almost like i got the impression that this wasn't something that Thanos was too bothered about which suggests more menacingness to me from him yeah i mean he's definitely much bigger fry than ronan. like when ronan's like i don't need you you're like oh ronan Ronan, Ronan, Ronan. Even if he, it had all gone well for him, he would have been killed. He very much, yeah. Ronan was very much the um, the the Sam Rockwell character <laughs> in this. Yeah. <laughs> and Which, the, the Infinity Stones. People should not have them. Yeah, people shouldn't have them. I don't even know why they made them in the first place. It's like the rings. Why would you do it, Pete? Well, yeah. Well, the collector touched on that, but I didn't really understand what he was saying. It was something about at the beginning of the creation of the universe they were made, and I'm like, well. It's not a very good universe if you just made its its <laughs> self-destruct button, have you? Well, yeah. And I, I, well, I guess it depends on how you use it, maybe. But, but each stone represents something different. So this one was the power stone. Ah. Um, I think there's eight altogether. And they okay. all represent different. But he, he was interested in this power stone. So it just sort of sets up stuff. And people who read the comics again were like, <gasps> and it's the same with Peter's dad, actually. Lots of people had lots of theories about who his dad was going to be. 
so if you read the comics would you know who his dad is or is it not obvious it's not obvious no like they go into it in the next movie but people mm. all came to the same conclusion and they were all wrong <laughs> so oh, it's a bit like Jon Snow's mother isn't it it was very much yeah very much like oh, Jon Snow's mother oh. well yeah I I liked it I like I did enjoy it I'm not I did not hate it at all it's just not in my top three that's all <laughs> Yeah, you're allowed a different top three to me I like I don't know why I just preferred because I feel like some superhero films are very formulaic mm. and I quite like them when they're not yeah it definitely wasn't formulaic it was something it was very much a breath of fresh air very different but they still man- they still connected it up to elements that they've already established in the MCU which was good it is very much your kind of film it's oh. kind of zany and quirky it's got cute animals and sidekicks and stuff and you're never quite sure what's around the corner because it could be anything from a talking raccoon to a talking tree to uh, a blue guy with an infinity stone. Like it's it's so it's kind of unpredictable in that respect. Yeah, exactly. Would you like a quiz? I would like a quiz. First question, obvious question: How much on Rotten Tomatoes? How much? Um, I'm going to assume this was actually quite popular. I'm going to go at like eighty nine. Oh, so close. 91. Oh, close, close. Yeah, yeah. I'd, my personal, I give it more like 80 for me personally, but I've, well, I, I feel like it's a popular one. Yeah, and I feel like you're being contrary of your whole dark world being above <laughs> things. So I, I, I didn't know that we could take your opinion seriously. Anyway. That's what I do. <laughs> and as, as my friend Tony says, I am a contrary bitch. That's you. <laughs> and how much money do you think it made? Uh, did it? Ooh, um, 800 million? Oh, you were very close. 772.8. Ooh, I'm getting better at this. You are. It's like such an arbitrary thing for me to ask you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, um, there's a scene, a physical moment happens that isn't scripted. Ooh, um, is it uh, a slap of some kind? No. Ooh. Would you like me to tell you? Go on, tell me. Um, when he drops the orb during the collector seat. I, yes, I remember this. Yes, it looked really, <laughs> it looked like an absolute outtake. I was like, that did not look scripted at all. Yeah, so I couldn't, yeah, apparently he accidentally dropped it. And then later he was like, I did it on purpose. And I felt like he did not. <laughs> I, again, that was good. I would, I wanted more of that. There wasn't enough of it for me. I wanted more of that. I wanted more of they got my dick message. I wanted more of um, the dance moves at the end. I wanted him to be like that all the way through without any of the kind of cheesy heroism. I think that's what I was looking for. You just want, I mean, I feel like if it was constantly that, you'd be like, there was too much of that. There was no <laughs> linking narrative. No, no, there are no holes in my argument whatsoever. Okay, okay. How many pounds do you feel Chris Pratt lost to get in shape for the role? Um, I'm not good with pounds. Um, I don't know how to change it to another. No, I'm how much I like how many pounds would like I be? I'm about 80 kilograms. Do you know how many pounds that is? Let's look. I'll Google it. Um, So 176 pounds. 176 pounds. Okay, I'm going to say 100 pounds. No, he lost 60 pounds. 60 pounds, okay. It's still quite a lot. Um, I'm only good with pounds when it, we only use pounds with newborn babies. Isn't that weird? It is a little bit weird. I guess because maybe it's like similar to a bag of sugar, isn't it? And people always worry about what's the same as a bag of sugar? Yeah, I guess so. Crazy. Um, But they were going to give him the role even if he didn't lose weight because they were like, he was so good for the audition. But Pratt wanted to lose the role, uh, the weight, because he, when he was a kid, he was very like obsessed with how superheroes looked superhero. He wanted to look good, basically. Yeah, he wanted to look hot. I think he was very much like, it's my time to be a heartthrob. And to be fair to him, he became one. So He did. It worked. Um, I still prefer him in Parks and Rec. Yeah, I, I like Parks and Rec him as well. And I like how they feed in the fact that he's lost his way into Parks and Rec too. <laughs> okay, so you obviously have probably looked this up, but do you know who voiced Rocket Raccoon? It was Bradley Cooper. It was Bradley Cooper. Mm. Well, he was he in the credits. I saw I saw the credits where everyone was there because I spotted virtually everyone else. I thought, well, Bradley Cooper must be the raccoon. <laughs> well, yeah, he is. And um, he earned more for this role than Silver Linings Playbook and The Hangover combined. 
Really? Mm. Yeah. Well, it's it's a Marvel Disney film. I mean, they pay a lot of money. Yeah. It's weird as well because he doesn't really do any promo for it at all. Like if you look on the red carpet and stuff, you never see Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where are you, Bradley? This is the first film soundtrack to do what? Use more songs than actual soundtrack. Well, that's kind of close, actually. It is mm-hmm. the first one to reach number one on the Billboard 200 chart without any original music. Oh, nice. And it was also nominated for a Grammy. There was um, a lot of music in there. Yeah, it's, yeah, we'll get to the music in a minute. Because it's actually, no, I'll talk about this music now because me and Chris were just talking about this before. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is like the first in the Marvel Universe world to start using music ironically. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And start using more like pop music and rock music and stuff that is maybe out of context with what's happening, but works. I see. Yeah, because I guess the other ones that used it were the Iron Man, uh, the Iron Mans. Um, yeah. But they use it, it. Yeah, it's not ironic in that. It kind of fits the character and the tone, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And like Deadpool, I think was. Have you seen Deadpool? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Deadpool. Oh, so that was being made at the same time. And I think when this came out, um, Ryan Reynolds was like, "Ah, oh, fuck," because <laughs> they'd done the same like vibe with their music in that film. Yeah, yeah, Deadpool. Again, maybe I was looking for more of a Deadpool film from from it, but then that wouldn't be very child friendly, would it? And I, you have to remember Disney owned this, so yeah, yeah. This is very interesting for Disney to do if you look at it through that. Why was this role so important to Vin Diesel? The role of Groot. Uh, ooh. oh, is this to do with Paul Walker? It is so. Because it would have been around this time that he died. It was. And he said that this was the first time he came back to dealing with human beings after dealing with death. And he found playing a character who celebrates life in the way Groot does very nice. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, because they were friends, weren't they? They were very good friends, yeah. And he was like, this helped him for a dark time in his life. I was just going to say, he also recorded the phrase, I am Groot, like over a thousand times. (laughs) (laughs) In many languages. (laughs) So, So dedicated. He is. There was an injury on set. Um, who nearly broke whose ribs? Zoe Saldana nearly broke Chris Pratt's ribs. Correct. Ah. He, he forgot his protective gear and didn't tell her because he's an idiot, I assume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why? He's probably like, feeble woman cannot break my ribs. And then she, she did. <laughs> it's Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana can break your ribs. I know, I'd be like, I want more protective gear, if anything, than less. I want all of the protective gear on. Yeah. Chris Pratt has said that his performance was based on two, like, pop culture characters. Um, Han Solo. Correct. Mm, Captain Kirk. No, interesting, though. No, um, Marty McFly. Oh, okay, yeah. Which makes sense, because of the time, like, in his head, it's still the 80s. Yeah, yeah, that would. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that. Then Peter Quill would be a big fan of those people, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Why did they change Drax's color? He's originally green. To distinguish him from Zoe Saldana a bit more. Yes. Like, as in, as in, like a sort of opposite in terms of their antagonism at the beginning. That's very good, and also to distinguish him from the Hulk. Oh yes. Because he does look a bit more like the Hulk. <laughs> Not like Total Down It. But yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So James Gunn used to keep something that he would hand out to people on set if they did something amazing. No, who did, sorry? James Gunn, the director. He'd hand something out to them. Is it a um one of those really yummy Malteser chocolate things from uh celebrations? Oh, the little teasers. Mm. That's good. And it's kind of the same vibe, but not correct. So okay. he had a little pile of Play-Doh pots. Oh, they get Play-Doh? They get Play-Doh. That's yeah. cute. Um, so it was like his version of a Paul Hollywood handshake. So if like an actor or a stuntman or someone did something really good that day, they'd get mm. a little, little Play-Doh. How often did he give it out? Well, he says he gave out 40 containers over an 85-day shoot with 200 people. Mm, they're quite exclusive then, I guess. Very special. And and I actually think that's a good present because I love Play-Doh and it's not something I'd buy myself. So. It feels good to do it in your hands, like a lot. Yeah. And the smell, everything about it is good. Mm, yeah, the smell. Oh, you get high on the smell, definitely. Why 
was the soundtrack composed mainly of 70s and 80s songs? Because uh, it fits Peter Quill's character? Yeah, I guess so. Um, it's also like to remind you that he's a real person who's come oh, from right. that, that time. Yeah, so it's sort of like meant to be like, because it's so weird and out of this world that they wanted to have like a reminder of humanity in that. That fits, that fits, I think, yeah. Yeah. And on set, they used to play one of the songs from the soundtrack to get into character. Can you guess what it is? Uh, is it the very first one that he sings? Mm-mm. No, I love that. That's a good song. It was the Cherry Bomb one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that fits. Why is the name Nicole Perlman important in this film? Ooh, no idea. Never heard that name before. So she's the first woman to be credited for writing a Marvel screenplay. Oh, good on her. Yay. Bella for you, Paul. You hate the ones that the women wrote. <laughs> the times they are changing, as a man once said. And you're telling her you want more of this and more of that. <laughs> My demands are being met. It's very convenient. Exactly. Um, this is the first Marvel film not to have what scene, like a specific scene that every other film has had. Like a, a, a I love you scene? Just a kissing scene. Oh, just a, I thought they did kiss. Or oh, they nearly kissed. They nearly kissed, but they do not. It's the only kiss, yeah. the first of the Marvel world not to have a kissing scene. Oh, oh. Trailblazers. Yeah. Well, that's what happens if you let the women write the scripts. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> what, how many times do you think Groot says, I am Groot? Ooh, um, 25. No, it was 12. Oh, tw- oh, okay. It, yeah, but apparently number 12 is like a big deal in this film. Oh, okay. Because they have like 12% of a plan and all that malarkey. So. Oh, right. Oh, hmm. Did you spot Stan Lee? Yeah, he was chatting up a woman in some like video footage or something, wasn't he? Yeah, it's when Rocket's looking for his bounty at the beginning. His, his cameos usually involve very attractive women. I feel like it's maybe in his contract. I don't know. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> and that was that was it, really. I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you now. I've corrected myself. There are six Infinity Stones, not eight. Six Infinity Stones. And what? Do, am I allowed to know what they all represent, or should you keep that secret from me for now? You know what? I don't think it matters too much, so I can tell mm-hmm. you. So we've got power. Because oh, is got... there a rhythm? No, <laughs> no. I'd love that. That should have been in this film. Now we've got soul. Yeah, well, that's that's rhythm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time, mind, space, power, and reality. Oh, interesting. So, What's the Tesseract one? Well, you just have to wait and see. Ooh. I can't. <laughs> oh, I like things like this, where it's like there's like a set number of things and they all represent different things. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of, I mean, obviously, well, the Doctor Who series with the bad wolf. Yeah. So it's like, all the episodes don't really connect, but they do with that little, that's kind bad, of what... The words bad wolf appear or are spoken somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like they do this quite well with the Marvel Universe. Oh, and obviously, we've talked about this, every film in Phase 2, someone loses a hand. Did you spot who lost their hand this time? Oh, no, I didn't. I can't remember. I totally forgot about that. It was Nebula. She. Oh, yes. Now, she doesn't die in this, does she? No. She falls onto that spaceship and then flies away. So yeah, she's good because I liked her. Oh, she will be back. Don't you worry about Nebula. She's a classic. She she, she now is. <laughs> <laughs> we love. And yeah, that's my quiz. Awesome. Well, that was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. I am. We're well. We're well into Phase Two. I feel like we're like halfway. Well, yeah. I mean, we would be much be done if you hadn't thrown so many TV shows in the mix, but. No, no, but you know what? I do, like I said in the first episode, I don't do things by halves. We don't do things by halves. We do not. <laughs> and in fact, our next one is a TV series, but it's a much shorter one in Agents of Shields. Agent Carter, and we're going to do season one, which is only eight episodes, which is a much more suitable number of episodes for a series, don't you think? It's very manageable. I like a, a mini series almost, but slightly longer. <laughs> Midi I like a mini I like a finish line. There needs to be a finish line somewhere because then I can go back and watch The Crown. Exactly. You know, it'd be like another 20 episodes. Are you joking? You know <laughs> well, 
we will talk about Agent Carter next time. Cue the music. <laughs> You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode.